0: Hi folks, Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at Riderflex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the Riderflex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The Riderflex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing360, fuel your brand. Hey. There C. he What's is. Up? How are you, man? Buddy. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you?
0: Excellent. Are you still uh going? You still doing the games? Are you still getting 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 into the
1: you're still you know, doing it's it. funny it's funny I a lot of people say to me you still still doing the games and I'm like you know what yeah 35 years same thing hasn't wow. changed hasn't changed one iota in all that time uh, have you except- ever
0: you ever you ever try to sneak people in you ever try to you' know, like yeah he's with me yeah she's with me
1: or you get you get people in <laughs> I try I tried to sneak my daughter in uh, a couple weeks ago and they stopped me and they made me, and I've been someone hooked me up with a pass, but like they're they're much tighter than they used oh. to be on bringing people in. I mean, the the
0: people watching the gate are are you like, yo, bro? I've been here like thirty five years. Who do you think
1: you're they talking don't care? About? <laughs> First of all, here's the reality of my situation. I'm I'm a I'm a stat keeper. I'm not very important, and people don't you know. Uh, I'm gonna plug my microphone, and I forgot, but people. You know, we're we're kind of like, we're just supposed to show up and do our job perfectly and nobody, you know, we don't get a lot of attention, <laughs> which is fine. I, I'm used to it. And they've also ruined our seats. They they uh, moved us into a different seat actually, and it's much further up because they, can you hear me now? Is this thing better?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's working. Yeah, you're totally good.
1: Oh, wait, hold on.
0: Yeah, testing. testing.
1: I just lost. Hold on one sec. Okay. I lost you for some, some reason. No worries. Hold on. what happened here test
0: test hello yep i can hear you
1: oh got it yeah it's weird when i plugged in my microphone i lost the audio from you but now it's back
0: no worries no worries uh your seats now so let's see are you I, i think you told me last time you're out in the crowd right so you can you can hear the crowd is that right
1: Yes. We're 25 rows up. We're not, we're in the, we're on the side. We're not even in the middle. We're we're basically have to sit next to the TV broadcasters and the radio guys. So we can give them stats all the time.
0: Oh, I see. I see. All right. Can you hear, so you can hear like the broadcasters like right here, you can hear him talking and all that.
1: So yeah. And last night they played the nets and um, we don't like the nets too much, you know, uh, uh, Ben Simmons and all that. And so there was fans right behind us yelling about the game and like we're trying to like do our job and there's fan like literally they're 6 inches behind my seat.
0: It's kind yeah, of ridiculous. This, but Yeah, that part I c- I couldn't do that. I mean, you just nailed the number one reason why I won't go to concerts with my wife anymore. I told her I can't remember the last one we went to? It was a few years back. I don't know. She took me to like Tim McGraw or something. And I, and I told her, I was like, that's it, I'm done. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because somebody behind yeah. me, beside me, they're going to bother me the whole time. I'm just, I can't, I can't do it. It was the same, we went to uh, a movie theater, this way before COVID. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was in the one with the bear, almost eats him or whatever. Which, which one was
1: oh it? yeah, I didn't see that. I remember, remember that one though.
0: Anyway, same thing, middle of that movie. I get up, I told her, I was like, can't, I can't, I, I, I'm done. Like I'm retired right. from, I'm retired yeah. from movie theaters. People is like, oh, no, I know the shit out of me. So I can't imagine you sitting there the whole game with somebody in your ear. Do you have, uh, we do uh, it's,
1: okay. it's not too, it's not terrible. I mean, it's, it's just a little yeah. annoying, but like we have headsets and we have like five people that are on the headset. So one guy actually calls out the action to us and we, we input it into the computer me and my partner right. so it's you ever turn
0: around you, know, you, ever, you ever you ever be like hey man shut the fuck up bro like be quiet but you ever
1: <laughs> no i i wanted to last night what it was, it was worse last night than usual but i didn't sit now i mean literally they paid good money for those seats like you know it's I not see. their fault <laughs> Yeah, they, they I, should, I should be able that. to drink beer and make noise if they want it's all okay good. so they, they sell beer yeah yeah the people are Every once in a while, someone's behind us clearly drunk and saying stupid stuff, you know, how sports fans get. and uh oh, yeah. But the Sixer fans are passionate, and I love Sixer fans, so I'm not going to complain about that. And how about
0: uh, this is your year, year for the Eagles, I guess, huh, right? I mean, we're recording this, by the way, for the listeners on January 26th, so it's the – we're right before – is the championship weekend coming up? I'm trying to remember.
1: NFC Championship game is in South Philadelphia on Sunday. You going? So, I'm not going. I'm staying right here at my house and having some friends over. This I'm not is, going. Uh, I think.
0: Um, I mean, I'd be. I haven't followed football a lot this year for various reasons, but uh, I think this is probably your year, right? I mean, I'd be surprised if they don't win it.
1: I think we're favored, which is you know we, we're the number one team most of the season, and but anything can happen on a, a playoff game. But yeah, we are. It's been a really good season. We're, we're really fired up here. And the city of Philly gets so excited when a- anyone does well. You know, the Phillies made a run to the World Series and everybody was fired up for a couple of weeks. And now we're fired up for the Eagles. Yeah, It's a lot of fun. Your fans are
0: traditionally and historically, uh, what's, what's the word? Intense.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Passionate, intense. Some would say obnoxious, um, but... Uh, very good fan base, and we we just love. It's like they, there's an expression. It's a Philly thing. Like you you know, if you live here, like you just love Philly sports, and uh, everybody else, you know, it's like Philly versus everybody. Yeah. That's the other <laughs> expression. <laughs> we kind of like I, that.
0: I yeah. remember. Grow, I remember growing up. I lived in uh, Southern Oklahoma growing up, which Oklahoma did doesn't did, have a pro team, so. If you grew up in Southern Oklahoma, most of the time you were a Cowboy fan, for the most part, because it was like the closest team. And, man, I remember, like, playing Philly was not fun. Yeah. (laughs) No. Uh, But anyway. uh, Yeah. How are you uh, doing, man? I'm hanging in there. We're doing good. Yeah, yeah. Rider Flex is a great year for us, you know. Uh, For us, like 70% increase over last year for our recruiting firm, for the listeners, in case – in case anybody's listening to this particular episode and needs, needs help with staffing and recruiting, you can always give us a buzz. Yeah. Wonderful. You're f- feeling super blessed. Very thankful that uh, we had a great year. Um, well, how about you, man? What's going What's good. Give me the latest on Scott Berman and the Panther group
1: and anything else that's going on. What's the latest? Sure. So it's, it's 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 I I can't um, say it was a great year <laughs> for me and us in 2022. I'm I'm always always give it to everybody straight. Um, it yes. was a challenging year, and uh, I think for a couple of reasons. You know, first of all, the money uh, coming into cannabis has really slowed up a lot, big time, and so that that's affected our venture fund. So a lot of our portfolio companies have had trouble raising additional capital. Yeah. So their, you know, their growth has slowed. Some of them are doing really well. Some aren't like with any venture fund, uh, but the ones that are trying to take that next step and raise the next round and maybe have an exit, they, they've kind of stalled a little bit. Why do you um, think
0: that is? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Go into, sure. and I think you're right. So for the listeners, like uh, 2023, January 26, 2023, yeah, it has slowed. What, what are your thoughts on all of that? Scott, why do you think that is?
1: i have a lot of theories so first of all there's there's a couple of main theories have happened number one is federal regulation has not helped nothing has happened and when when biden won the white house and the democrats controlled the senate and house everybody thought this is going to be great for cannabis you know right. we're going to we're going to you know get our safe banking bill we're going to get other bills descheduling and things like that and two years have con- gone by and absolutely nothing happened uh, right at the end, they tried to jam the, the safe banking bill into an omnibus spending bill in the lame duck Congress. And Mitch McConnell said no. And then they were like, all right, forget safe banking. So it was disappointing. I mean, not, you know, and and, and so I think there was anticipation that things would be, you know, further along there. So that's one issue that's greatly affected us. This The second thing is that the early investors in cannabis businesses both public and private have not made enough money and you know how other those things go like you invest in a fund the fund does well returns capital and then they go fund 2 and fund 3 and then they they reinvest at a higher number and you know you go to a $30 million fund very few vcs have done that well in in the space and so a lot of money from the side from the individual investors has really slowed up yeah because they haven't cashed in there haven't been enough exits um, it's really hard for companies to go public and and so that's that's another factor is that you know you have to get acquired to have a liquidity event pretty much
0: yep yep and the ones that have gone public several of the ones that have gone public the stock has done this <laughs>
1: that's that's the main that's a really the one of the biggest factors and here's the I I call it the CNBC factor. Because there's when you follow cannabis on on CNBC, if you're not in it every day like I am, you follow there's there's ten stocks that everybody talks about. You know, Tim Seymour is a great guy. He does a lot of good reporting on cannabis, and they bring up Cureleaf and GTI and Ascend Wellness, and those stocks had a terrible year. They were all off a a tremendous amount, and so for people on the outside looking in, they feel like cannabis is not doing well because Mm -hmm. the stocks are getting pummeled, and to they're right in some respects like you can't make money at those stocks right now however if you look at, into to it a little deeper a lot of those companies are actually generating significant revenue they're generating ebitda they're, they're borrowing money at decent rates and they're growing their footprints all over the country But so debt, the,
0: but a lot of the but a lot of the debt's high right
1: yes the debt is definitely a, a problem but that's okay you know that that happens in business cycles you know, like a lot of these companies are actually generating really significant revenues and and that's good. And the other thing, you know, I, we will get to the positive news in a second, Steve. There is positive news. But, <laughs> but I think that the, I think that people are kind of looking at it on the surface and saying, you know, the cannabis sector is is not doing well and the government isn't helping. So I'm going to put my money elsewhere. OK, yeah,
0: that's I, I see that. Yeah. Um drilling down on the stock deal you know i had an interesting conversation with somebody about charlotte's web or cw hemp i don't right. know what's the stock the stock what's the stock symbol under i can't remember but uh and uh was having a conversation about how you know they brought in that giant that big ceo from kellogg i can't remember her name and the stock is just and it's, it's almost it's almost a penny stock like i know almost I'm like, and I remember, I remember when that was like a big deal. They were on CNN. Remember they had the whole thing and, you know, all this stuff. i was like, wow. And I'm like, man, how did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know how, you know, does the, yeah. um, is part of it oversaturation as well? Is Do you think there's just too many um, providers and companies? What are your thoughts about that?
1: So it's interesting. There's every state has a different story. And that's what's an interesting thing about cannabis is like you have 38 different markets that all have a different evolution. And so in certain markets, there is clearly oversaturation. I'll I'll give you one example is Oregon, which it was one of my first investments in Oregon seven years ago. But basically, there's way too too many people growing cannabis in Oregon. It's the quality is good and there's not that many people there. And so um, the market, uh, the price per pound has really crashed. Um, It's really hard to make money as a cultivator unless you're growing it super efficiently. And, you know, if you're a store owner, I went out there one time and a guy said to me, I have 10 people a day coming in trying to sell me flour. And I can, you know, and I pick out the best flour and tell the other nine to go away. Mm -hmm. And so it's so if you're if you're making, you know, it's really hard to sell enough product to make money there. Mm, yeah. yeah right yeah when yeah. i was
0: back in in oklahoma so i went to oklahoma for thanksgiving you see where my family that's where i was raised and my mom still lives there uh and i'm driving in uh, a town called Chickasha, oklahoma which is southwest of oklahoma city and i think there's probably i don't know twenty thousand people there i must have counted like 15 or 20 pot shops i'm like yeah wow. and i, I, I got out to my mom my mom lives kind of out in the country i got to my mom's place i'm like there's not enough people here to sustain that many stores. I can promise you these stores are not going to
1: last. <laughs> yes. Well, Oklahoma is the number one example of oversaturation because they made it super easy to get a license, real low barrier and low cost. Yeah. And they didn't put a cap on it. They really need to put caps on licenses mm-hmm. and regulate it better. Uh, but you know, a lot of people want to get into the cannabis business. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting, sexy business for lots of people. And Uh, frankly a lot of them aren't really qualified to to deal with it especially when there's a lot of competition and you have to be really you know on it yeah no doubt about it
0: i think uh what do you what do you you see happening as we move forward i mean i have my own thoughts on it but you're more of an expert on the topic than me i mean do you just see a lot of these little people falling out yeah do you see i mean are, are you know Are these big giant companies like Philip Morris just waiting around for the Fed to lift the rules so they can just come in and knock everybody
1: out? What do you think is going to happen? I think both of those things are going to happen. Definitely a lot of smaller operators, we're already seeing it, are in distress. There's a lot of restructuring going on, and there's a lot of companies that aren't going to make it. It's unfortunate. There's a lot of M&A activity. Um, There's smart operators, I'm involved with a new uh, new project where uh, they're looking to acquire um, retailers in different states, and they're buying them at a very good multiple, a very low multiple, like like half of what it was a year ago. And so there's a lot of operators that are tired and frustrated and they want to take chips off the table. And so if you have a good plan and a good, you know, you can you can roll things together now. Um, And that's on both the dispensary side, but also. We're seeing it on the ancillary side uh, there was a fintech merger that happened recently and then there's a lab there's a lab merger that we're talking about rolling labs together and putting them under one company um and so I think that trend is going to continue
0: by the way speaking of the labs I don't want to go down too far of a rabbit hole here and I don't want to make fun of any of my lab friends but I, I love how I love how all a lot of these cannabis companies you know they're trying to rebrand themselves. You know, life biosciences, all these fancy bullshit terms. And I'm several of them. You know, I'll get calls or whatever. I'm looking at the website. And I'm like, what? What? What is this? Like this is a <laughs> cannabis company? Like stop, right. stop dicking around. Like don't, don't try to right. fake it out. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I, I get it. You know, they're, they're trying to. I don't know what they're trying to do, but uh it.
1: Anyway, yeah, I, you're I, I met those guys too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always,
1: yeah. Well, what
0: about uh, what? What about uh, C- this whole CBD uh, bubble?
1: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Is the right word. Um, well, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> uh, before, I just wanted to actually go back one second and talk about the Phil of Mars thing you brought up. Oh because yeah, go I, ahead.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get us off track. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's cool
1: yeah. I, because I think that's an important subject because I I do think that there are a lot of companies that are on the sidelines right now. They're waiting for federal regulation, number that's one, but they're also waiting for it to get big enough to be interesting. Uh huh. Um, and and so you know, to a Philip Morris, if you're doing five or ten million a year in revenue, you're not that interesting. No, well, they're, the
0: they're just they're just going to run those people out of business. They'll just buy the top right. three or four or five outfits and crush everybody
1: else. (laughs) Right. So I still see that happening. And 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 you know, hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later. I mean, not that they're crushing everybody, but that they come in and, you know, we we would like to see some exits come. So I think that there are a lot of different industries, certainly the healthcare space. Um, there's companies eyeing cannabis businesses and there's there's the technology, the SaaS platforms. So I foresee that if we got it some regulation in DC and some things get bigger and better. I think you're going to see that trend uh, play out. I hope.
0: You're right about the whole Biden thing when the Democrats won the white house, right? It was, yeah, I kind of forgot about that Every, Yeah. Everybody was like, Oh man, it's going to go super fast. Now you're right. I hadn't thought about it till you mentioned it. Like, yeah, I guess nothing has happened. And now, yeah. I mean, I don't know if anything will, I, yeah, it feels like it's stalled out.
1: I don't know. Well, I'm an optimist, Steve. And I, I'm, I look at things with a positive spin and so there are uh, quite a number of Republicans that are actually in favor of okay. this this stuff moving forward. One of them is Nancy Mace of South Carolina. She's she's a very big proponent. Um, there's uh, I've heard that new you know the House Rules Committee is filled with people that are few people that are supportive of safe banking, and so there is a chance. You know, it's not necessarily the most clear cut, clear cut bipartisan issue. It's not, you know, like other issues. It's I look at it as more an old versus young politician issue, um, you know, and and I'm not I'm not picking sides. And I'm saying we might need some younger people, you know, in, in the Senate, right. and, you know, yeah,
0: you're right. It's not it's not just the Democrats backing it. I mean, we'll go back to Oklahoma to use that as an example. Oklahoma is one of the most red states in the country. Right. Uh, and they were one of the first states to pass it. I was I was like, whoa! I was actually surprised by that. <laughs> so now uh, yeah. you're, you're right yeah it's not just democrats uh the sure. the 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 philip morrises of the world and stuff are they going to do you see them uh combining forces with big ag and, and and huge giant agriculture farming companies families and just i don't know taking over the entire crop across the u.s i Will there, will there be any small people left? Will it turn into a
1: microbrewery? Like,
0: Oh, Steve's my Steve's little microbrewery grow in love Colorado. We can visit that, but that's tiny. Is that, is that what'll happen?
1: I think so. I I think what you'll see a couple things, there will be small microbrewery type folks out there that are doing craft cannabis. I think that will never go away, but I do think the big grows, the huge operations will get absorbed by either big ag or, you know, a Philip Morris, but there's also the overseas factor.
0: I believe
1: that, um, you know, I'm working on a project in South America now where they're building a humongous facility and they're gonna be able to export cannabis around the world. So just, you know, I think that's gonna be a trend there. And I think, you know, a big grow in the USA, you know, it's gonna be harder over time to to grow it cost efficiently.
0: No doubt about it. Isn't this gonna be interesting? How about the giant illegal grows that are down in wherever, Columbia or whatever, and the right regulations get passed, and poof, all of a sudden, those, hey, we're a real business. I know. (laughs) And and now we're just shipping in product to the U.S. This is cool.
1: (laughs) I don't know if you ever saw the show Narcos. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I thought yeah. the the original Narcos, when they went back in time and they showed the marijuana guy that, um, yes. you know, that yes. grew those fields. I was fascinated by that, like how they started off with with marijuana for a long, long time and they weren't happy with enough money and they switched to other things. But like that, I think is going to I think they're going to do it again. I've been hearing that that they're they're growing a lot more cannabis down there. And, you know, it's yep. they're trying to actually some of them are trying to actually build legitimate regulated businesses. Because uh, they know. Yeah. And they're trying to just
0: stay out of jail long enough for the for the laws to change so they can be real business.
1: <laughs> well, it, it was also one thing that was really interesting during that thing is like the the uh, head guy was saying, I want to get into cocaine and whatever. And the other guy's like, just stick with marijuana. Nobody cares about us growing weed. But the minute That's we right. start shipping cocaine That's across the border, the yeah. feds are going to come. And that was what happened. You know, it's That's like, what happened. yeah, yeah That's what happened. It's, it's it's an interesting story.
0: We are very uh, similar to what happened with alcohol. You know, I mean, people. A lot of people forget. A lot of people, young people don't even know. I mean, I bet the average millennial doesn't even know uh, uh, how prohibition worked or how yeah. alcohol was legal, then was illegal, then legal again. Right. And so, can yeah. you imagine what uh, Adolf Kurz and all these guys were doing back then? They're like, "What the fuck? Okay, we're making this stuff. Yeah. You know, now we can't make it. Now we're going to secretly make it. But we got to stay alive long enough so that when this thing is, then we got to go back in business."
1: and we got to deal with the mafia you know that too that yeah. too by
0: the way i was going to ask you you know not to be a conspiracy theorist but do you think that's some of the reason that the fed and the government haven't do you think the black market guys and girls are are, are lobbying behind the scenes to keep it from becoming legal do you think that's possible or is that too much of a conspiracy theory
1: i think that's possible i de- i definitely do yeah and i think that uh, that's a big problem because the black market is still very much alive in many markets. You know, California operators are struggling because probably 50% of the market is still in the gray area, Um, uh, even though there's 30 million people whatever. It's it's still a problem. And I know a lot of uh, legacy black market operators that don't want legalization to happen because they're they're making a lot of money. Yeah, (laughs) so it's a problem. And then there's the tax rate. So each individual state has a different tax structure. Um, and and by the way, another challenge that we have in the industry is this 280E tax rule. Yeah. Which is really, you know, that would be a huge boon to the industry if they were to fix that because everybody's profits would go up and a lot more of these operators would be in better shape. So, you know, that's a big problem all across the board. But each state has a different tax law. And so certain states, it's it's tougher for the regulated operators to make a profit. And, you know, you hope that, but it's, it's different everywhere. So you, it's hard to say.
0: Yeah. People that don't
1: know that the tax burden makes a brick
0: and mortar retail outfit. It makes it very difficult to make it. And especially if you're not growing your own product, if you're just, if you're just wholesale buying product and you're running one little retail store, good luck.
1: It's really hard. Yeah.
0: Very, very difficult. Uh, here, here's an interesting question. I had this one that I wrote down for you ahead of time. I was curious about this. In any state where recreational and medicinal are both passed and legal, how many states is that now that
1: are both? I should know. The 19 answer. or 20, I think. Okay. Should
0: every person in prison for a nonviolent cannabis offense be let out in those states?
1: Yes hundred percent yes
0: <laughs> it's pretty much that's a no-brainer right for me brainer. that's a no-brainer I'm like why like what how come why why hasn't somebody done that I don't understand what what are we waiting on I mean there there are people setting in jail setting in jail for something that everybody else is doing right I now. Know. I, it's, it's kind of fucked up I, I, I
1: yeah there's it's terrible you're right it's a shame and they and we've ruined people's lives. And, and you know what, uh, 85 to 90% of them are minority. That's right. You know, African-American and Hispanic. And it's, and, you know, it's, it's really not fair. It was completely unfair. It's disproportionately affected that population. Yes. A lot of young men, uh, ruined their lives when they were in their teens and twenties. Sure. And, um, you know, it, there's a lot of good people in this industry that are advocating for, there's a thing called the last prisoner project. Um, which is a nonprofit, right. yeah, and their their job, you know, basically what it says. we want to keep working till every single person is out of jail that was locked up for for cannabis. and right. they're they've made a lot of progress, but there's still people sitting there today. It's a shame, and as that
0: is part of that, follow the money trail because. These towns that operate with these prisons and the whole economy and the money that's involved—I mean—that's got to be tied to it. Has to be.
1: It, it's definitely tied to it. And there's certain states that are actually doing a good job with this. Uh, one of them is New York State, um, okay. which uh, they've now—they have a program where legacy operators are getting um, funding and a head start on getting into the cannabis space um people that have had been arrested or a family member was arrested for something now they're trying to give them the early crack at licenses mm. so they can get in fact I'm, I'm actually involved with this thing called the just us foundation Okay, um, it's kind of a, a new project a great you know great team of people in new york and they're they're really they're helping legacy operators get through the approval process oh. of getting licensed and being licensed operators and regulated and it's really great. It's, it's what's wonderful... the
0: URL? What's the website for that?
1: Um, it's I. You know what? It's Just Us Foundation, but it is dot, uh, something else. like a. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to. That's okay.
0: There's like
1: a. You know why? Because there's like a, um, a a period. I think it's Just Us dot Foundation.
0: Okay. Yeah, for the listeners, I want yeah. to make sure they know about. Yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Us dot Foundation. Okay, very good. It's great. Yeah, Cheryl yeah, Mary remember- Howell runs it. She's she's a huge a great advocate for cannabis and attorney okay. from New York and um doing great work there.
0: You know, it's so weird. So my wife's family lives in Missouri and my family lives in Oklahoma, but my wife and I live in Colorado, right? So well, every time we go to see our families, whether we're headed to Oklahoma or Missouri, we're going through Kansas. And okay. so Mm-hmm. Every time, and maybe this is because of. I, I grew up when it was illegal, right? I'm 55, and I, I grew up in a world where you were constantly, you know, looking around trying to right. make sure.
1: Right.
0: And so we'll get, we'll be getting the camper ready or the car or whatever. And I always tell my wife, I'm like, we're, okay, you got, what do you got in the car? What do we got in the cam- <laughs> camper? What's, what's where? I want, how much do we have with us? I, 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 just, <laughs> I get, I still get paranoid about it. I don't know why, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm like, we're going through Kansas. I don't want to be locked up in Hutchinson, Kansas with the farmers care. or whatever. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Better to be safe than sorry,
0: you know. Uh, but but my what was my point? Oh, my point was I just think it's absurd that that well, I even have to think that way. Right? Like you know. And then you go down to Oklahoma, and I got all these these, these
1: people are in jail, when there's like 20 yeah. pot shops on, on Main Street. <laughs> it's really and when you think back about how this all started, which started in 1996 when California went to medical. Cannabis. It's like, it, it, that's a long time ago at this point, yeah. you know, yeah. and the fact that you you can't get, you know, you can get arrested in Kansas, but you can buy legal weed in, in 20 States. If you're over 21, it's stupid. really, it makes no sense. I know it's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. What those? Uh, they still
0: have States with dry counties, don't they for alcohol? Don't they? Is that still maybe Kansas is one of those, or was that Texas? Remember how, when we were kids, when we were younger, we had those dry counties, we go across the County and there was a bunch of like five liquor stores We'd buy what yeah. we wanted to
1: drive back. <laughs> we have one in uh, the Jersey, ocean city, New Jersey. I go to the Jersey shore a lot in the summer and uh, there's a town with no, no alcohol, no bars and you'd have to drive over the bridge to get, we get uh, <laughs> booze, you know, but uh, and here's another thing that's been really interesting and and there aren't, there is good news. I like to stay positive and yeah, let's do it. So the Northeast is good news. And yeah. what's happening here is really important for the industry in general. Um, because you have New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Maryland that have just recently flipped from medical to adult. They're, they're in the process of getting going. That's going to be a huge 30 to 40 million people are now going to have that ad- access to adult use. You have Maine and Vermont, which are now thr- you know doing well as adult use states. You have Virginia, which has it, I think, for like next year or something like that. Um, And so you're now the the entire Northeast is, is getting going. It's the first inning, second inning in a lot of these places. And when you look at the West coast, you know, you got California, Oregon, Nevada, you know, uh, Arizona, they're all thriving, you know, big medic, I mean, adult use States. And there's a lot of money being, you know, made and, and, and transacted there. It's going to happen here. And I yeah. think that um, what's going to be interesting is I do think that's going to put pressure on the government, the federal government to make more changes, because once New York City has weed shops everywhere, um, and a, I that's... believe it's going to put a lot of pressure on Pennsylvania. We're sitting here right in the middle of, of adult use states, and we're just medical. So I think we may flip to uh, adult use coming up soon. So I think that's going to kind of change the outlook uh, in about one, one to three years from now. Great point. You're right. When the
0: Northeast goes, that's probably the fall. Fo- that's the final stage. Uh, I used to have a boss that lived in New York and uh, I lived in uh, Oklahoma and Texas at the time when I'd go see him in New York and we'd travel the New York, the, the, the Northeast States for retail. He'd always tell me, he's like, look, man. he goes, this is the original 13 colonies colonies up here. This is where the real business is. You guys are just playing around no. west, of, west of the Mississippi. <laughs> Yeah. my point point is the northeast is yeah i mean you got all the population that's where the action is once it falls yeah who knows what'll happen what what do you think about psilocybin what what's what's going with mushrooms long term any thoughts there
1: oh i got a lot of thoughts there (laughs) Uh, i'm 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 actually i'm involved with a psilocybin project uh as an an investor i think it's uh, a very exciting field um and and I think there's two sides of it. You know, there's definitely the biotech route. So um, psilocybin, low-dose psilocybin for ailments, for depression, for PTSD, for anxiety. I think there's a lot more people microdosing now um, that are really getting into it. Um, I think it has tremendous benefits that we don't fully understand yet. And I think we need to educate people. But I think there's just a lot of people out there that are taking some sort of medication that if they switch to psilocybin, it'd be safer and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really believe in it. And it, it's, it's tricky though, because it's certainly something that could be uh, misused yep. and it could be, it could lead to uh, bad consequences in certain cases. If you're not really, you know, if you take too much, obviously, you know, it, it could be a problem. And if you're not in the right mindset, it could be a problem, but under a controlled and regulated situation, I think it's it's exciting, and I think that um, you know Colorado, you guys uh, legalized psilocybin there recently. Uh, I believe Oregon is another place where it's it's decriminalized, and so I think you're going to start to see a lot more clinics, retreats. You know, there's there's people building like retreats where you go and and have a guided psilocybin trip, and I think it's it's very exciting. i do
0: i I do do too i think there's i think there's a lot of business opportunity right there i totally agree uh shamans is that what they call the guide that watches over you what's it called Uh, i can't remember Uh,
1: i think there's there's different terms but a shaman is kind of the extreme version but yeah
0: okay i think um there's business opportunity for professionals that guide you and retreats and um i i think i think there's yeah I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm surprised more of those have not popped up. I have been uh, personally invited several times to travel. I, that's the word that I, I, I hear. And uh, a good friend of mine over here is like, come on, man. He's like, yeah, come over. He's got a yurt in his backyard. He's The whole thing. And uh, and I, I just haven't been, I haven't got the, the courage to do it yet. For whatever reason, I'm nervous about it. I'm like, man, I don't know. I? Got to, I, I don't know if I want to do something that, I have to have somebody watch over me. Like, is it that dangerous? Oh, you're making me nervous. He's like, well, I'll have somebody watch over you. I'm like, really? Is it
1: that, I don't know. You're scaring me. (laughs) (laughs) So, Well, first of all, I have, I have two, two suggestions and and comments on that. Number one is always read up and do research on this stuff before you try it. You know, there's two things. uh, One is uh, the, uh, I'm sure most people know about the uh, Michael Pollan book, how to change your mind. Uh Um, And it was also a Netflix special. So I think that's a very educational program. There's also a documentary called Fantastic Fungi, which is fascinating. Um, Paul Stamets is a guy that's well known in the psilocybin world. And he's been researching and I learned so much about mushrooms in that in that documentary. So I think it's important to like read up and learn about it before you do anything and just make sure it's right for you. That's number one. Number two is start small. You know, don't go taking three, four grams your first time. Take, you know, and I I started on this, on that road, taking a half a gram of psilocybin. Okay. And then I took a gram one time and then, I, you know, and so like you you learn your own tolerance. Um, for me personally, everyone's different. It's it's a really nice and wonderful experience. It's never been scary okay, for me, good. but I'm, I've always had the right mindset and the right set and setting Goodness. are really important so you need to be with the right people that you trust um and you need to be in a setting that's conducive um and then you know it's 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 definitely not for everyone but for most people that i hang out with uh it's very positive experience
0: better than cannabis would you if you if you were going to be on an island for 45 days on vacation and you could take cannabis or psilocybin, what are you taking?
1: That's a really good question, Steve. I would say for the last 30-some years, I would have said cannabis immediately. But the last year or two, I'm sort of thinking that psilocybin might be better in some ways. I I don't know. Okay, interesting. I'll get back to you in in a year or two on that, but uh, Uh, it's a great question. And I think about it, too, because sometimes, you know, the the thing about psilocybin is, like, it's, you you know, cannabis, you could smoke a joint or smoke a ball and be, you know, still just you know, go do do what you need to do. If you're real, if you take a fair amount of psilocybin, you're not I mean, gonna want. Yeah, you're not gonna want to <laughs> be uh, out there doing normal stuff. I I would say so. It's a different kind of experience. Gotcha. Okay. Very yeah. good.
0: Well, I need to. I need to. I need to step. Up. I need to journey. I need to. I need to do soon. I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I haven't yet because I've been kind of wimpy about it. I'm going to go to, uh, I hope, I'm going to go on an Alaska tour where a guy, I have a friend that lives up, does Alaskan tours, takes you out in the bush, you know, drops you off in a helicopter, hike out for four days, whatever. Nice, That's awesome. uh, And he's got, what he does is he has a guide. He has a couple of guides that go with the group so that you can experience and and travel with psilocybin, but there's somebody watching over you or whatever, you know. Uh, I remember him telling me, he's like, hey, man, he's like, the first time you do mushrooms, don't do it in the woods by yourself.
1: No, definitely not. No. Uh, not a good do idea. a small amount and do it with friends. And, you know, the, the first time I actually started doing this uh, stuff, I was at concerts at music festivals. Okay. And uh, I was with like 15 of my close friends and I took a half of a half. I'm um, okay. like, give me whatever you're taking. I'll take a, a quarter of that or a half of that. And let's see how it goes. And it gradually great. I realized it weren't went well. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, pretty cool. Can you, and how about, can you, can you, are you doing some alcohol with it? Is that okay? Do you, will you have a drink with it or you stay away from that? Or,
1: I uh, know. I'll, I'll have a drink with it, but I won't drink near, I won't drink much. I would okay. I wouldn't drink a lot of, a, a lot of it. Um, You know, okay. I, I, okay. I also think that it's, it's, what's really interesting too, is I think that it's psilocybin can be very beneficial for people that are well, like uh, Michael Pollan has this expression, the betterment of well people. So mm. people that are, you know, uh, things are going okay. Their life is okay. And now they want to just, you know, get some other level or whatever. That's one, you know, type of person, but it also can be very effective for people that have issues, mental issues, and, yes. you know, PTSD issues and end of life. Actually, they're giving it to people that are terminally ill to, to come to grips with their death um, and things like that. So, you know, it depends on what, where you're at and in, in your life. And, know i would just recommend getting advice from people that are experienced and then taking it slowly very good i want to ask about cbd
0: um you know i'll give you my uh uh commoner outsider ignorant view of it and you can tell me where i might be off base you know even as a recruiting firm three or four years ago you know i just over the years, you know, everybody in Colorado—like everybody I met in Colorado—was going to start a CBD company, or they had a CBD brand. Right? It was like everybody's got a CBD brand, and my CBD is the best CBD, or what was what were, full, <laughs> right. my CBD is full spectrum in all this right. stuff. And uh, and CBD rubs rub CBD on everything. Rub CBD on your knee. Your arthritis is going to cure this. it's going to cure that. It's you know, it's yeah. like it's the miracle thing. And yeah. that has seemed to uh, taper off a little. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts there?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great question. So first of all, a lot of people call me up and say, uh, something's wrong and I, I I need CBD. What do you recommend? And the first thing I say is, I am not a doctor. I mean, don't, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't ask me, ask your doctor. But, you know, it's true. It's, it's, it's a tough spot because there are so many products out there and it's really hard to know what is right. I mean, you know, first of all, again, research is important. I mean, you need to look up and see, you know, how it's made and um, you know, the, the, the full spectrum is definitely a thing, you know, and, and, and better than when it's okay. not. Um, but you also just have to look at what I like to see is, is there clinical research that's been done on this product? Mm-hmm. So one of the companies I started working with recently is a U.S. distributor for, for an Israeli firm That's um, the the, is actually one of the guys that originally uh, found CBD in the cannabis plant um, in Israel. They they've been doing a lot of research and clinical trial there for many years. You know, they they unfortunately in our country, we outlawed research for a long time. So we don't really and we haven't regulated it. The FDA has yet to weigh in on regulate regulating CBD, which Mm. is a problem. Yeah. um so you know but but in israel they've been doing clinical trials for many years and these products are have been tested and you know there's certain specific indications that they're good for so is it good for pain is it good for sleep or anxiety um so that's that's a challenge there and i still i think we have a long way to go um, because yeah it's there's a lot of good stuff out there but there's a lot of you know crap i hate to say it out there i think
0: there is yeah i think there's a lot of crap yeah and i don't want to and I got a lot of CBD friends that are, that are, that, are, that have been on the podcast. So I don't want them all to be mad at me. I just I haven't. Hey, uh, I got arthritis pain, and I still have arthritis pain. And I've been rubbing yeah. all kinds of CBD on my neck for the last two years, and it's uh, yeah, still
1: there. <laughs> so two things. First of all, one of, one really important note is you, you really should check with your doctor, and also check interactions. Uh, this is something that some people don't talk about a lot that CBD can interact poorly with things like blood thinners.
0: Oh
1: And yes. I know most people, I didn't really know that. I didn't know that. Oh. I know. And so, so if you're, if you want to try CBD for something, and especially like an ingestible form of it, you know, you should really just make sure, that, you know, there's no other side effects. And, you know, look, I think it's pretty amazing what, what CBD can do, but it's not, you know, it's not good for everything. And, okay. and, you know, yeah. And so it really depends. Um, one of the things that I've been working on, which is really interesting, is clinical adoption of CBD. Um, and this is kind of a marketing project that I'm working on where, you know, uh, you know, how like if you go to a doctor's office and you have a digestive issues and they hand you a, a sample of Metamucil and they say you should be on the fiber and they give you a, you know, a sample. Pack, which, I, right? which, I, which I am. <laughs> right. Me, too. I love Metamucil. Yeah, yeah, right. I got to take it. I got to take it. Yeah. yeah. Us 50 year old guys. You know, we, yes, we're, we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind admitting it. Um, but when what we want what we're trying to do is get doctors a, a lot of doctors don't because again back to them there's not a lot of research they don't know uh, a lot about this and and why and how CBD can be used instead of something else like at a, an NSAID or whatever like uh, an anti-inflammatory. so we're working on marketing CBD products to the doctor's office. So that okay. they will give out samples to their patients and then also targeting the patients with the same messaging, like talk to your doctor about XYZ brand and, and, uh, you know, use this for sleep instead of ambient, you know?
0: Okay. okay.
1: So okay. like, because this is, the, 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 you know, statistics, this makes a lot of sense. If a doctor recommends something to you, you're going to be much more inclined to try it. No doubt. But the doctor's not going to do that unless they really, you know, unless they look at clinical trials, they have, Continuing medical education, and they really know what's in it, and and so if a doctor, you know, we want like doctor recommended CBD. It's so interesting
0: you mentioned the doctor recommendation thing, and that affects older people greatly that grew up with Richard Nixon telling them that it was the devil weed and all this other shit. Exactly. I mean, I use my own mom for an exam for an example. She, uh, when I was sorry at Thanksgiving, she's been having all kinds of pain with some stuff, and uh, she's like, "Well, the doctor's got me on this tramadol." And I was like, "Mom, tramadol is is an opioid. It's a light opioid, but it's an opioid, and it is addictive. Uh, it's yeah. you know, it's not the worst one." She goes, "What is that? What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean addictive?" I'm like, "Yeah." I go, "Well, how many are you taking?" She goes, well, "I'm taking like hundred milligrams a day, a couple of times a day." I said, "What?" I said, "Okay,
1: all right." I
0: said. She goes, well, sometimes I'll take one at night, then I get up in the middle of the night, take another one. I'm like, Mom, okay, first of all, it's not a sleeping pill, okay? So stop taking it for sleep, it's a pain pill. Secondly, I want you to ask the doctor about cannabis. If you want to sleep, if you're looking for something to take to help you sleep better, I want you to try cannabis. Tramadol is a pain pill, not a sleeping pill, is what I told her. Yep. And I'm not, a am not like an expert doctor, I just, just based on what I know. and And she said what you just said, she's like, Well. I'll ask my doctor and if he recommends it's exactly what she said. She, she yeah, would not, yeah. she's like, I'm not taking anything unless my doctor recommends it. You know, she wasn't just going to go off my word. So you're right. The doctors have got to be comfortable and well, they got to be knowledgeable and comfortable recommending these other things, whether it's cannabis, CBD, psilocybin, whatever. And that yeah. will help a lot of people, a lot of old school, religious conservative, uh, you know, grew up in the sixties. They're not yeah. going to try it unless the doctor says it's okay.
1: You know, I have a my. I'll tell you a quick mom story because I'm proud of my mom. You know what she she uh, is a cancer survivor, three different types of cancer. Wow. Five or six years ago, I said to her, "Ask your doctor about cannabis." The doctor said, "I can't. I don't know anything about it. I don't. You know, can't recommend it. I don't want to deal with. You know, basically blew it off." So I actually got on. I hired a nurse for a consultation from from uh, California, the Cannabis Nurses Association. I said, "Mom, wow. just like listen to this woman." So the woman, we get on the phone, my mom sends her medical records. She goes, Mrs. Berman, you know, we if you lived out here, we would have had you on cannabis years ago. You should definitely, you know, use cannabis for for different things, whatever. So we hang up the phone. My mom goes, all right, you know, I'm ready to try it. But like, you know, I can't, where can I get that stuff she was talking about? And I said, mama, I'll be over in a half hour. I'll bring you this stuff. She's like, you have those vape pens? I'm like, yeah, I do. I'll, I'll bring you one, right? So five years later my mom's been on rick simpson oil um i started getting it from her i would fly to you know when i came back from colorado i'd bring her rick simpson oil and she really likes it and now but then eventually pa got medical marijuana she's got a card she just called me the other day and said can you i'm out of my rick simpson pills can you find them somewhere and so you know it's like she's a happy cannabis patient but it didn't come from her doctor it came from her son who was a cannabis guy. And, and I got an opinion from a different state that also shows you that in different places, it's much more accepted based on the regulations, you know, because exactly. it's not. totally, totally. So, so I think that the more it spreads into different States, the more doctors and healthcare professionals are going to pay attention to it. Agreed. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well,
0: Tell me, uh, let's wrap it up. What's going on with Panther Group? Give me the, you know, is that still your main gig? What are you guys doing? What's the latest? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to pitch us on? Or what do you want to inform us
1: about? (laughs) Yeah, so, well, the thing is, so Panther Group is um, doing a lot on the fundraising side, um, raising capital for uh, businesses in the space, both debt and equity, um, and also providing business services. One of the more exciting parts of, of what Panther's done is, build a database, uh, several large databases. Uh, One is cannabis businesses, about 120,000 businesses, and we're providing like B2B lead gen services.
0: Oh, nice, that's a good move. Great move, great move,
1: yeah. The database is really powerful, and then we built it up. We have a data scientist and we built machine learning around it, and um, it's really exciting. The second database is also exciting. It's basically ingesting cannabis shopper data. From point of sale platforms. Okay. So we're we're we're, uh, we're connected through an API with um, uh, point of sale companies that are selling millions of dollars a day, you know. And so we're pulling in uh, audience data on who's buying what products, what prices they're paying, what's the competitors doing, oh. and we're providing data services um, as an outsourced business. Most companies can't hire a data team, so we're helping them build price elasticity. Inventory forecasting demand, uh audience segmentation, like you know, females who are buying vape pens, males who are buying free rolls by age, gender, and geo. And I so see. there's a lot going on in the data space that's really exciting.
0: So wow. So the Panther Group, by the way, for the listeners, thepanthergroup.co, um, data company, tech company, services company, investment company. Yes. Wow. Yes, that's, right. that's I, it. I yeah. Have- I love the diversity of the revenue streams. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> well, our theory all along, and, and this, this started from our venture fund, you know, we we've been running the fund for six or seven years and we invested in a bunch of companies and we started to really, we started to be a little bit more involved with them and helping them, you know, get to the next level. And we realized, you know, funding is hugely important all the time, but after you get funded, you need, uh, you know, sales and marketing support. Yes. You know, we, we bring in a fractional CFO, or nice. CMO in certain situations. I love, you know, we you and I have talked about the recruiting, like a lot of these companies need to hire better talent. And so, you know, it's like, it's kind of just business advice and, and advisory services that are, um, and then then they'll need more funding. And then also someday hopefully want an M&A transaction to happen. So, yes, you know, exactly. So well, I, uh, know you're, all I, together.
0: I know you're a co-founder. What's your, what's your, um, functional responsibility that you, that you manage, you know, what, what is Scott doing versus the other people involved?
1: I'm more on the uh, higher level strategy side, um, bringing in new, new clients and building relationships. Um, We have a team that's executing on, on a lot of this stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of like working on different projects and um, building bridges and, and also working with a lot of vendors you know, to really get to, you know, so if we go into a company and we say, you know, here's who you should be talking to about your your HVAC system or your software for your dispensary um, and sort of helping people like, you know, build their businesses the right way. And and also uh, the other big thing is helping them grow into new markets. So I'm, I'm very, especially being out here in Philadelphia, like growing companies uh, into the East Coast. You know, we talked about the East Coast getting going. A lot of Companies out west that are not doing as well, they want to they want to open up shop here, uh, New Jersey. I have a great uh, project in New Jersey that I'm working on because I think that there's going to be a lot more activity here that we can bring seasoned operators in and really do well on, on this part of the country.
0: Very good, my friend. Yeah. Um, are you raising? You're always. I guess you're always interested in talking
1: to investors. Is that right? We're always raising.
0: Always, always, always raising, raising.
1: capital. We're, you know, and here's the interesting thing. A- and we started off the show talking about how fundraising has slowed down, but that hasn't slowed down the, the good opportunities. Okay. So if you're, you know, if you're an investor that has been th- looking at cannabis on the sidelines, it is now a pretty good time to get into it. Okay. it the, the valuations are down. The um, There's not a lot of uh, people rushing new money in, but if you have money, there's deals. Um, there's good, solid companies, there's good fundamentals. And you know, I encourage people to you know re you know think about it strongly now. you know, um, what's the Warren Buffett thing when, you know, I invest when the uh, tide goes well, oh, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. and I, I think I think I messed that quote up a little bit, but like, you yeah. know, oh, I know what it is. Invest when others are fearful and and when others are are enthusiastic, then pull back. <laughs> Yes,
0: it's true. No, yeah, I totally agree. I think I messed that
1: one up too, but you get the idea.
0: <laughs> I get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. The Panther group.co uh, Scott, yeah. thank you very much. Super insightful. Great conversation, my friend. Uh, appreciate you coming back to the Rider flex show and, and sharing.
1: I appreciate you, Steve. I always enjoy our conversations and uh, you have a great show and I really uh, would love to keep, keep talking whenever we can. Thank <laughs> Thank you.